You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rand with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Realistic Randy Rants every Monday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel where we just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. And even though the Vikings have a playoff seed clinch, they have the North clinch, they will be at least no worse than the third seed in the playoffs. Uh, Yesterday, quite the ass-kicking, and it's the worst, Randy. It's one thing to lose a football game. It's one thing uh, when you lose to the Cowboys or on the road against Philadelphia. It's another thing when you have a chance to kind of end the Aaron Rodgers and Packers season and era, if you will. And instead, you don't just lose the game, you get your butt kicked, you shoot yourself in the foot multiple times, and all of a sudden, now Green Bay has an opportunity to go from completely dead in the water from two months ago to win and in. And the Vikings, who didn't have a lot to lose going into this game, I think, Randy, but still, the way they lost the game, uh, pretty embarrassing for the Vikings to do that against your arch rival in the Green Bay Packers. Well, even beyond how fun it would be watching the Packers season end at the hand of the Minnesota Vikings. For the Vikings earlier yesterday, the Philadelphia Eagles lost to the New Orleans Saints. So the one seed was still possibly in reach for Minnesota. Worst case, you're trying to maintain control of your own destiny for the two seed with the 49ers breathing down your neck. So there was a lot to play for yesterday. And unfortunately, the Vikings, they looked like they they looked like they had nothing to play for instead of having everything to play for. The problem was the offense. The offensive line, even with injuries, does not negate the fact that they've gotten worse every single week. My goodness, Ezra Cleveland, he has regressed. The Packers' weakness on defense was against the run, and the run blocking in Dalvin Cook, they could not exploit that at all. Receivers, if they weren't dropping passes, they were falling on their butts mid-passes. TJ Hawkinson, you know what is so funny is going back to week two, the goodness, Irv Smith Jr. dropped to where we say, man, if he makes that catch, maybe it's a different ball game. We saw that yesterday by TJ Hawkinson, not once, but twice. There was the big drop on third down. That would have been a big gain for a first down. And later on, there was the pick six, which we could say maybe Kirk Cousins, he overthrew Hawkinson a bit, but that was weak-ass route running by Hawkinson, yeah. and he should have fought for that football. That was a soft play by him. And the opportunities were aplenty for the Vikings, but every single time that they got out there on the field, they looked worse and worse. And I'm sorry, but... I understand that your guys' motto over at Purple Daily Score North is win one before we die. I'm going to dumb it down even lower than that. Okay. What I want to see before I die is that I want to see the Vikings consistently competitive in big games. We can talk about culture change this and culture change that. And Kevin O'Connell, he's great and the players love playing for him. But your biology is who you are. I am so sick and tired as a Vikings fan consistently watching this team in big games, be nothing more than a stepping stone for other teams to be great. Play some tough football. That's ridiculous. What we saw yesterday, that was pathetic. That's a good point. Um, 
but let's start with that last one here just for a second before I want to circle back from what you said off the top of your rants. Um, it would be great if the Vikings just could not lose games in the most Vikings fashion. I, I saw Steve Palazzolo, I brought this up with Mackie and Judd of Pro Football Focus. He tweeted out, I think during like towards the end of the first half yesterday against the Packers that said the Vikings are either winning the Super Bowl this season or they're going to lose a playoff game by 40 points. And you and I in our lifetime have already experienced two pretty awful NFC Championship game losses that were just completely lopsided. Hell, you could throw the 49ers loss in the divisional round in 2019. It wasn't the score that was lopsided, but that felt like you lost by 40 points because you were just completely bullied by San Francisco and their line all game long, right? So Vikings fans know what it's like to lose in embarrassing fashion. Um, There's some heart-wrenching ones, Blair Walsh, Brett Favre, of course, that have also happened that are tough pills to swallow, and that's the the age-old debate of would you rather lose close or would you rather just lose lose badly so you just know you're mentally checked out basically by the beginning of the game. But yeah, they have a history of choking in the worst possible way, whether it's by a close a last second play that that costs them the game or just getting completely embarrassed essentially from the kickoff. And Randy, I think you saw at the beginning of that Packers game this uh, on Sunday that when they failed to get the six after getting a great blocked punt and they had to settle for three and five seconds later, boom, there's a kick return going the other way. You saw that momentum swing initially and you went, every Vikings fan took the big exhale of, here we go again. This is how this is going to go. You go from on the doorstep, just getting the damn football pushed a yard to getting six instead yet to settle for three. And then all of a sudden here comes Green Bay with a kick return. A pick six doesn't help either. And it's just classic Vikings. I'm with you. If, If we can... Clean up that model in a way of play competent football. It's not as sexy as we want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die, but I'm with you. This team has a history of blowing games in the worst possible way. It is incredibly frustrating watching this team consistently just have brain farts in the biggest moments. In the first half yesterday, the defense, I got to give a shout out. I understand we want to get rid of Ed Donatel. I do as well. But yesterday, I want to give him some props because in the first half, the Packers, They only scored 13 offensive points. They had the other two wacky touchdowns, the kickoff return for six points. Also, the pick six, TJ Hawkinson, the drop pass should have fought more for that. But the defense, they gave the offense opportunities to at least stay in the game. Even with the turnover on downs, Dalvin Tomlinson, the sack on Aaron Rodgers. Six penalties, four turnovers. I just, this has just become far too common. And every year it's washed rinse, repeat to where I say, okay, it's going to be different. This is a new head coach. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is, but it is frustrating as fans every single year to see the same damn crap. And this goes, listen, I don't know how you feel about this, but this goes to Kevin O'Connell. That is the main guy that I'm looking at offense. They take the majority of the blame, not just with with the personnel, but also the head coach. Offense is your bread and butter. That's on him. I like that he knows how to speak at the podium and he makes you feel good. But when it comes to coaching, call in plays, that's where the problem has lied. If you don't get that scripted drive off, whereas early in the season where the first possession, man, they'll score that touchdown. And then after that, there's a low period. And then, okay, late in the third quarter, going into the fourth, we got it, baby. What happens when you don't get that scripted drive? Hmm. You know, let's, let's go back to, to what you were just talking about at the beginning. Cause I, I kind of looked at, 
this game as, all right, there's not a lot, at least going into the game before the 1 o'clock slate games happen that where the Eagles end up losing to the Saints. Thought, all right, well, maybe you can still get the one seed if the Eagles fall, and they indeed did. The Saints go in there and get a big win in Philadelphia that keeps the one seed completely up for grabs. Now it's a three-team race. I mean, the Cowboys could all of a sudden snag the one seed with some help tomorrow, or uh, help next week, sure. excuse me. So, yeah, not a lot to play for, but at the same time, you did miss an opportunity to potentially just run through home field advantage. I will say, and we're going to get into this later on in the episode, um, but it looks like you're most likely going to play the Giants. They're locked into the sixth seed. The Vikings can still technically get the two if they win, and somehow David Blau leads like the game of the year and beats the San Francisco 49ers uh, with Arizona, but I, I don't see that happening at all with San Fran now having something to play for with the one seed. Um, but I think it's still a pretty favorable matchup. And also, I do feel a lot better that if a red-hot Packers team can go into San Francisco instead of a Lions team or someone else that I think San Fran would have would mostly still kick their asses for the most part, that I, I feel a lot better about that going forward. So, yeah, it, it, it stinks because the Vikings had a opportunity to get the one uh, yesterday or at least put themselves in position to be in the one-seed conversation heading into the last week of the season. I'm kind of looking at this as, all right, you lost the game, and the loss obviously stunk because you got, got your butts kicked, but you kind of now know your fate. You kind of now also know your opponent. You know your future for a little bit here for the next few weeks. And I kind of look at that in, in the grand scheme of things as actually a good thing. Well, the three seed, that's what they're going to be locked in at. San Francisco, they're not going to lose next week. And at this point, do you go into week 18 against Chicago saying, do we play our starters? I believe you shouldn't. Because if you didn't show any effort yesterday, why would you all of a sudden show any more effort next week saying, okay, maybe San Francisco will lose? It looked like you didn't care about the Packers at all. So knowing that information, do we know what their fate is? Because the one positive I will give to this team is that they can literally beat and lose to anybody in the playoffs. If they win, it's going to be by one score. If they lose, they're going to get their asses kicked. We don't know, and that's the problem, getting some sort of consistency to where luck is preparation meeting opportunity. They had the opportunity yesterday, but they were not prepared at all. Is that really what you practiced for all week long leading up to Sunday against the Packers? Is that really what you worked on? Because that was terrible, and that's on coaching. Why should we expect it to be any different going into the playoffs? That was a playoff-like atmosphere yesterday at Lambeau Field. Mm -hmm. Why should it be any different? Not only yesterday's game, but the Dallas game, 40-3. to Philadelphia, week two, that's a big game. These big games against juggernaut opponents, yes, the Buffalo Bills, that was great. But for the most part, these big games against juggernaut opponents, they have looked soft. And that's the problem. I don't even care about the national media. Oh, we don't get respect. And they were right. Look at everything they said. The Minnesota Vikings, as an organization, they should feel embarrassed for themselves. Get better. You still have time. Coaching is the main issue. But my God, the playoffs is right around the corner. Yeah, they uh, they can still make up for this if if they obviously go into a wild card weekend and and they're they're they can get a big win or potentially even go on a run and you kind of forget about some of these bad losses, but it just leaves such a sour taste in your mouth. Uh, Randy, sticking on that Packers game for just a bit here, um, your thoughts, and I know we're, we're kind of up in the air here because we don't know if, what the injury is going to say on it, but Brian O'Neill, on a scale of 1 to 10, and I think I, it's rhetorical here, I think I know your answer, how big is that loss if, if you indeed have lost Brian O'Neill for the rest of the season? Well, it's a 10. It's a 40, quite honestly. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it takes to break that meter, that's where it is because – with a healthy Brian O'Neill and a healthy Christian Derisaw, those were your two best offensive linemen. In fact, those were your only two competent offensive linemen 
on the offensive line as a whole. The interior offensive line has struggled mightily, but at least your bookends were intact to where you can say, Kurt, at least you know, out on the edge, you'll be fine. If you have to move left or right, you can go ahead and do that opposed to moving up in the pocket. And now with O'Neal, if he's going to be gone, I mean, the whole from left guard all the way to the right tackle spot, you are in trouble. And it's really unfortunate that we couldn't say, at least, well, Ezra Cleveland, he's been a bright spot because he has regressed mightily. That's a big deal. So now you go from Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw, two good, competent, two elite offensive linemen, to now just one? Who can survive that? What well, quarterback can deal with that? Yeah, and look, Garrett Bradbury's been out the last few weeks with the back injury. He aggravated it, unfortunately, in a car crash um, on Christmas Eve against, against the Colts. So I, I would imagine that, look, Rest your starters against the Bears. Try to get that line healthy as possible. Because, yeah, if, if Ole Udo is uh, your starting tackle there going into the playoffs, man, I do not feel good about that. And offensive line is one of those It's one of those groups, and it's one of those positions that we just kind of take for granted sometimes, and that because they're not flashy guys, they're not quarterbacks, they're not defensive ends, they're not putting up statistics, essentially, that you can see on a box score, we kind of forget about them. And then there are so many good offensive linemen out there that we don't give enough credit to them when they are indeed gone. You realize, oh my God, this is going to be awful. You have to start a backup swing tackle essentially in this spot. So yeah, I'm hoping he's going to be okay. Um, rest him up. And I'm sure he's going to probably fight like hell to do everything he can to play by the wild card weekend. He certainly is not going to play against the bears. At least I would have no idea why he would. Uh, so you try to get him healthy as much as possible. Uh, Randy, what, what do you think also about Adam Thielen here? So Thielen, again, again, just kind of a dud performance. I think he just has two grabs in the last two games combined. Now, he did have a very key catch that, uh, that, that helped set things up um, uh, a few weeks ago. But still, it just seems like father time in the NFL catches up on you quick. Adam Thielen is a young man in terms of his own, his own personal life. But my gosh, you can just see from three years ago that speed, that straight line speed, that work ethic, that route running that he had, I should say, uh, was on an elite level. And now, I mean, he is a replacement level receiver at a lot of key things that you need him to be bitter at, especially if he's going to be a number two playing all these snaps. I thought the way that he played kind of like Harrison Hitman Smith, he's so technically sound that, yes, injuries, that's been a part of his problem for his career. But man, if he's healthy, he can ball out. The separation is just not there anymore. And specifically when it comes to receivers, man, we went from obviously Justin Jefferson is wide receiver one. But after that, okay, Adam Thielen, definitely wide receiver two, KJ Osborne three. And after what I saw last night, I'm at the point now where I'm like, you know what, KJ Osborne, he's your wide receiver two. And that's not really saying much because he's made more plays as of late compared to Adam Thielen. And it's really, this is really a disappointing situation because going back to the draft, you could address this. We needed a wide receiver in last year's draft and you did not address that at all. You could have went with Jamison Williams. You could have went, goodness, Christian Watson, the Green Bay Packers. They got him. You had options there. And wasn't that Keenan McCardell that saying, hey, listen, it's it's all good. Yeah. We got wide receivers. We're set in the wide receiver room right now, baby. We're not. <laughs> and that's the problem. If you're tight end that you just traded for, kudos to Quazy on that. But if the tight end that you just traded for, I was thinking, okay, maybe you can make up for not drafting a receiver in the first round. If he's dropping catches all of a sudden and the defenses, they can just lock in on Jefferson, double, triple teams, what have you. You have no other reliable option after that. This could have been addressed early on and it was so obvious, but they didn't decide to do that. And now we're left with Adam Thielen say, okay, do the best you can. 
it's a mess. TJ, that puts more pressure on TJ Hawkinson because we cannot afford any mistakes from him because after that, okay, KJ Osborne, can we get another 140-yard game out of you? Is that possible? Probably not. So Adam Thielen, I think it's done. It's over with. I think I think we move on after this year. Yeah, you know, look, Jalen Naylor played well in garbage time, and look, maybe there's a, a diamond in the rough there a bit. But yeah, the, I think the unfortunate, again, kind of using this word again, gut punch, uh, is that you, you you traded the two guys you had chances to take and you traded them to do division rivals that you're going to see twice a year, right? Like Christian right. Watson, I know he had the epic drop or miss in in week one, but he's now having a solid season. Um, obviously, James Williams has been awesome for Detroit since he's gotten back. He's been a big play wide receiver that this team has desperately lacked. Even JJ's having a great year, but he's not the deep threat explosive guy even that that he consistently, you see other guys have on, uh, in the NFL. So there was an opportunity there. It was missed. Yes, I I wouldn't rule out wide receiver or cornerback being obviously one or two uh, as as your as your biggest needs going into the draft next season. But you need someone else to step up, and I don't know. Yeah, do do you trust more to KJ Osborne to take some of those snaps? Is Thielen also willing to admit that I've lost a step and I'm going to take more? I'm going to have to be on the bench a little bit more. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to do that either with this whole culture thing. Um, but. Trading for Hawkinson was a good move. They had to do it. But yes, to your point, it was also kind of a mission of, oh, crap. We kind of missed our opportunity there to take a wide receiver when we had two chances to do so. Uh, and now we're gonna it's going to bite us a little bit. So, yeah, I think it's a long-term big question of what they want to do because Thielen's owed a lot of money next year. Certainly you can restructure him, but you're going to be on the hook for some dead money regardless, even if you restructure or you swallow the bullet and you try to trade him or something. Um, but it, it's that that's what's so hard to see because he's such... Adam Thielen's from Minnesota, right? And it's all this great narrative. But, right. hey, man, you're trying to win some playoff games here. You're trying to prove that you can hang with some of the best teams in the NFL, and your number two wide receiver is basically a shell of himself. And that's the thing. I talked about this on the preview vid on my channel, Vikings versus Packers. I knew that the secondary of Green Bay, they would be locked in on Jefferson. So the thing that I was saying that the safeties, they're going to drop down on TJ Hawkinson as well, whoever's not trying to double-team Jefferson. So someone needs to make plays on the outside. Is it going to be Osborne? Is it going to be Adam Thielen? And uh, KJ Osborne made a couple of plays last night, but it wasn't really enough to make that much of a difference losing 41-17. But Thielen, he was a shell of himself. Not having a legit wide receiver, too, especially if TJ Hawkinson's going to have this routine, just inexcusable drop every other game, it seems like. Not having that legit wide receiver, too, especially in the playoffs where defenses, they are going to lock in. They are going to clamp down. you got to be able to get separation, and neither Osborne and Thielen can do that on a consistent basis. Last thing uh, from this game before we kind of take a bigger picture look, um, heading into the Bears game and obviously heading into the playoffs. Uh, I saw you tweeted out yesterday and you talked about it a little bit, obviously, in the beginning of this of this episode here. But you said this loss was also on the head coach, Kevin O'Connell, which I completely agree with. Um, he was someone that had, thought he had a good week of preparation. You know, he said, like, I thought we prepared well. And now how can I be better as a head coach and as a preparer of this football team to make sure that we don't have dud performances like that? You're going to lose games in the NFL. Now, the Vikings have been very fortunate. They've been 12 and 4. They've won 12 of their 16 games. Regardless of the outcome next week against the Bears, it doesn't really matter. You won 12 of your first uh, 16 games. But unfortunately, these four losses, and I'll even remove the Lions loss because that was just that was a loss. It was bad, don't get me wrong. But you didn't get completely blown out of the water like you did against the Cowboys and the Packers and the Eagles was just a self-sabotage. The way they have lost games, 
it's it's hard not to put it on the head coach there. I mean, that that is a preparation thing. They've done a great job at making these comebacks. That's, again, a great culture thing that Calvin O'Connell also deserves credit for. But I'm with you. I, I think this loss and this opportunity compounded with some big blowout losses, that falls on head coach. That falls on coaching 100%. His leadership abilities are off the charts. I adore this man, and I believe that he can really inspire players to want to play for him. Unfortunately, that's not where the job stops as being a head coach. You have to call plays. You have to be effective in your game management. And unfortunately for Kevin O'Connell, we've seen this all season long, but because that late third or late third quarter, fourth quarter emergency run that they go on to the high octane offense, it makes up for that. And we talked about this earlier as far as, goodness, the scripted drive being there to kind of give them a little bit of a cushion for the rest of the game. It wasn't there yesterday, but for most of this season, the second quarter, goodness, much of the first quarter, at least the second half of the first quarter, all of the second quarter, much of the third quarter throughout this season, it's been a low period. It's, oh man, come on, what's with this offense? Specifically yesterday against Green Bay. You started the game off, the scripted drive, three and out, six yards total. Okay, whatever. Then after that, Green Bay, you hold them to a three and out, and then the punt block. They set you up at the one-yard line. That should be easy money for any offensive-minded head coach in the league. That should be easy money to say, okay, we're going to put up six points. Instead, not just with the three and out drive that they had to start the game, but also the drive that they had to set up at the one-yard line, run, run, pass, defense, defense, defense. It was the most predictable play calling I have ever seen. Just run it up the gut. By the way, with your third string center out there, Chris Reed, we're still going to come hell or high water. We're just going to run it up the gut, the HB dive in Madden. No creativity whatsoever. You have Hawkinson. You have 18 out there. I just feel like in the most game-crunching moments, going back to the Commanders game, when Kirk Cousins went out, we talked about this before, Nick Mullins came in, and instead of just hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook so Kirk can come back in, let's do a cute screen to TJ Hawkinson. That was for minus, what, one to three yards? I can't remember what it was, but it was a loss of yardage on that play. Or even, I can't remember this specific game, but I remember the play trying to get cute with Dalvin Cook at the goal line. Let's have him fake run and do a jump pass to the tight end, and it didn't work out. He either wants to get super creative as far as doing the wackiest of plays or super conservative, and there's no in-between. I feel like he doesn't understand at times the personnel that he has to say, these HB dives that we're trying to do at the goal line, it doesn't work, especially even with the healthy Brian O'Neill. You want to do an edge run, go ahead and do that. But the interior offensive line is just not there. Call plays that make sense for your players. And he let the team down yesterday. Dude, totally. I, I That's that's the biggest, uh, I guess, wart or cr- piece of criticism I've had for Kevin O'Connell this season, too, is short yardage to go situations, what should be simple play calls, what should be very simple things to accomplish and convert have come into just mental gymnastics. And yeah, I mean, you saw you saw the second, you knew when, once they failed on the on the pass that, oh, they're going to run here on second down. This happened, they swallow them up, no biggie. Um, there's other ways to still run the football. They've done jet sweeps that have worked before. Like, you could have figured out other ways to get this dang one yard to get you six points. And that's a completely different game, man. Um, and that that's my biggest problem with him, too. I think he just gets way too, he overcomplicates things. You know, on the fourth and ones, even they've taken some big shots. Uh, it just it doesn't make sense for a guy that is very innovative, and I've I like how the Vikings offense is tracking. I think it's been a lot more of a modern offense this season. 
um, just from an eye test standpoint, but there are those situations where the second and short or the one yard to go, get four cracks, just punch this football up one yard, and for whatever reason you overcomplicate it, you become too predictable, and you can't get six. It's been frustrating, and those are kind of mistakes too. You can't, you can't settle for three on the one when you're in the playoffs. You got to get six. You 100% have to get six on those situations. So we'll see how he does uh, in, in the postseason, and that's where obviously we'll be able to judge a, a lot of our criticism and a lot of our validations with Kevin O'Connell too. Uh, well, one more thing, too. Yeah. Even the delay of game penalty that they had, the first one that they had, where the clock is running. You see the play clock is going down, and that is in part on Kirk Cousins as well. But I'm sorry, last time I checked the head coach, they can call timeouts as well. Yeah, You let the play clock go down to where it was a delay of game. That's part of game management. So it even goes beyond play calling, but the overall game management is just not there. And last time I checked, I thought, Wes Phillips, this was all part of hashtag collaboration. There is no way in hell that Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips got together for the for the play calling that they did yesterday and said, this is a fantastic idea. There's no way. At least Wes Phillips should have said, hold up there a second, KOC. Maybe we should try something different. This is ridiculous. You came together and came up with that crap? Yeah. Okay. Even the uh, 10 men in the huddle, the 12 men in the huddle that happened on the same series. Look, I whether that falls on Donatel, whether that falls on some position coach. I mean, the, the 10 men in the huddle, you could see players in the Viking side being like, there's 10. Should I run out? Like, wait a minute, there's 10. And even Rodgers, I think, was even kind of like, there's only 10 guys in the field here. Okay, I'll get a playoff. Uh, that falls on coaching too, dude. You you are, the, for the lack of a better word, you are the orchestrator of everything here. You got to take that accountability. You have to be the one to recognize that. And you have to burn a timeout. You got to burn a timeout because you can't have 12 men or 10 men in the huddle on, on the same series of all things. So I'm with you there. Uh, let's get into the future of the Vikings here, at least uh, from going into the Bears game and also potentially uh, who they're playing in the wild card weekend. But first, a shout-out to our friends at Park Tavern. They're in St. Louis Park. It's a great bar. It's the sports bar of the sports dad, Judd Zolgad. Great selection of Surly products, great wings, bowling, plenty of stuff to do at Park Tavern. Go check them out. And also a shout-out to the Kirk Cousins uh, Canadian Crusaders as well. They uh, sponsor programming here. Go donate to Kirk Cousins Charity at KirkCousins.org. Mention Purple Daily as well when you donate there. Uh, Randy, taking a look at Super Wild Card Weekend. So, all intents and purposes, it looks like it's going to be Vikings and Giants. The Giants are locked into six. They can't move. The only way it's not that is that the Vikings win and Arizona wins, and then Vikings all of a sudden get the two seed. I don't see that happening. And with the Vikings potentially resting starters, whether the Bears are also resting starters or whatever the hell they want to do, because they could potentially get the number one overall pick too, so they have something to play for in terms of their future and how they want to approach the draft. Uh, but I'm just going to assume here that it's going to be Vikings and Giants because that's what it's lining up to be. Personally... And I know New York is probably saying this too. This is the most favorable match that the Vikings could get on Wild Card Weekend if it's Giants. Um, I know the Giants were just here a few weeks ago. We got plenty on tape against them. Um, you know how to beat them. They, I have a rookie head coach just like the Vikings have a rookie head coach. Danny Dimes did have a big game against the Vikings, but again, probably the quarterback I would like to see the most in the playoffs would be Daniel Jones. He doesn't do anything for me. So at least in terms of if we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here on Wild Card Weekend, if it's Vikings-Giants, Curious your opinion on it, too. That seems like probably the most favorable matchup as we've been kind of been projecting over the last few weeks. Yeah, that's the team that you want to face to start your playoff journey in this 2022 playoffs. And that also depends who they just beat the Colts. Uh, goodness, 38 to yeah. 10 depends on if they want to play their starters against Philly to end the season. If they go into playoffs red hot, feeling confident about yep. themselves. And if the Vikings want to rest their starters, which they probably are, I wouldn't blame them for doing that. 
who's to say that they won't have more swagger, the Giants going into the playoffs than the Vikings. With that said, the Vikings should absolutely win that game. I'm going to say that with one eye open because you just beat them two weeks ago. That is the most preferred matchup you want to see, Daniel Jones. And that I don't even know if that even matters anymore because Aaron Rodgers was not great yesterday, especially in the first half. Now, in the second half, when everything fell apart, it's, okay, garbage points for them, garbage points for us, so it didn't really matter. But all things being equal, yes, the Giants, that's who I want to see compared to anybody else. It just seems like if it's, look, it's two rookie head coaches, it's Kevin O'Connell, Brian Dayball. It's not like Kevin O'Connell is going against, you know, someone who has been there and done that at the quarterback or really head coach position. So because it's at the home field of the Vikings, I give the advantage to the Vikings there. Yes, you know, definitely one eye open and definitely try not to get too hotty as Vikings fans um, know as, as we've done that before and you get egg on your face when that happens. Right. But I, I just think in terms of the tape that you have at your disposal, the opponent that it is in, in New York, it just it sets up for a, a very favorable situation. Now, if the Packers indeed get in here, um, and I'm going to assume they are, I'm just going to assume they're going to beat the Lions. That's going to be a tough game. Don't get me wrong. The Packers lost to the Lions already this season. But I'm going to assume uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers do get in. They sneak into that last seed. That means they'll go to face the two seed on Wild Card Weekend. That's still up in the year. Could be the Niners. Could be the Eagles. Could be the Cowboys. It's, it's a, there's a lot of options at, 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 at that number two seed. I actually feel a lot better than that uh, because if the Vikings do indeed get past the Giants in the, on Super Wild Card Weekend, they most likely could return home if the Packers do beat that two seed. I mean, the, the Vikings, if, if the two seed loses on Wild Card Weekend, that means the Vikings do get a second playoff game on the, on the premise that they've won their game as well. Uh, so I think it kind of sets up. That's why when I was looking at this path, it just made a lot more sense to me. And it just felt like, the, even though the Vikings lost this game, I got a lot more clarity, I thought, at least on their playoff hopes and their playoff path uh, to a Super Bowl, if you will. Yeah, the the thing is, I don't see the Packers beating San Francisco at all. Just the way that San Francisco is built, regardless of quarterback. I know they have Brock Purdy as well, but their defense, they're going to get after their offensive line. They're going to bring pressure to Aaron Rodgers. And if he plays like he did yesterday against us, the Packers or the Niners, unlike the Vikings, they are going to exploit those opportunities to put more points on the board and get a bigger lead. I don't think they're going to beat the Niners at all. I think the Niners are going to win, which means in that situation, let's assume that happens. Packers, they're the seventh seed. Vikings, they beat the Giants. So that means six and seven are out. That would put the Vikings between, goodness, the Dallas Cowboys maybe, perhaps, or whoever wins that. We have to see how that all plays out. But I just don't think – I would like to see the Vikings take on the Packers again, quite honestly, Yeah, because awesome. I want revenge. I really do want revenge. The way that they were talking smack, Jair Alexander doing the gritty after forcing an incompletion on Justin Jefferson. You remember that one play where Jefferson was chasing the ball out of bounds and the whole Packers sideline oh, yeah. just swarmed around him. They were trying to just get in his head. That I felt like they were more focused on showing up Justin Jefferson than winning the damn game, personally. I want revenge on that, but I, I – I don't believe we're going to have that opportunity because they're going to lose to the Niners. Yeah, and what I didn't like to, and not to go back to the Packers game, but it just, the body language of all, all that whole situation, you know, Justin Jefferson was frustrated, and I get, you know, frustration boiling over to a degree. You want the football. You want to prove a point here. Jair was talking all that smack all week. You want to go prove that you can cook him again. Completely get it. But just when you have that type of meltdowns, he's throwing his helmet. Um, Kirk's having a bad game. And then all of a sudden, it just it trickles to everyone, right? Like that. 
that negative, that power of negative thinking basically then takes over the entire team. And that's what you don't want to see. You can't have that carry over into a playoff game. Um, but yeah, I, I just think in terms of who they're going to get on wildcard weekend, that could be great. Look, Seattle could potentially still sneak in with some help here too. Uh, Detroit needs help if they want to get in there. But I think in terms of the path, look, the Vikings are obviously going to play a wild card playoff game, and that's at home, so that's great. Um, but I, I just think the Giants are, are that team that possesses the easiest path for them to get through. Um, hopefully I am not completely old tweets exposing myself here in two weeks' time uh, when, when, if the Vikings do lose that game. Uh, so going into that Bears game too, Randy, the, the regular season finale this weekend, this is obviously just a Nick Mullins-led game. I mean, hell, Josh Rosen could maybe even start. They packed him off the practice squad. Yeah. I mean, it, this is basically a backup-led game going into Chicago. Yeah, just focus on Brian O'Neill if he can get healthy. You certainly, I thought Ole Udo at times looked pretty good at right tackle, but then he gave up that sack fumble late in the second half, Kirk Cousins, to where it's like, okay, you're at least getting closer into the red zone, potentially can score, and that really just shot it all to hell. But focus on getting healthy. Focus on the coaching. Take the rest of this week and all of next week to focus on coaching. Get your game up when it comes to that. Ed Donatel, he is who he is. I don't expect to see anything different from him. The defense, they're going to give up points. But the few opportunities like we saw yesterday where, okay, the defense is actually stepping up, at least in the first half, take advantage of every opportunity that you have. Because what's been working for you all this season did not work yesterday, and it may not necessarily work in the playoffs because if you're going up against these big-time teams, Dallas, Philadelphia, all of a sudden Green Bay, I can't believe I'm saying that, they were 7-8. and eight. Their season, it looked like it was finished. And the Vikings, they could have certainly ended it. But in the playoffs, you're going up against good teams. You don't have any time to sit back and chill and say, ah, we'll figure it out. Let's get the scripted drive off. We'll figure it out maybe in the third quarter and see what happens. No, start to finish. And what's really sad is, have we really seen any sort of difference as far as offensive play calling between this head coach and the previous regime? Unfortunately, I have not seen that at all, which is really disappointing because you come from the L.A. Rams. Oh, my God. I do believe he's intelligent and he knows football, but then it's time to do your job. And that's where he has failed. So get it together. Health and coaching. Get it together. Uh, taking a look just also at the NFL playoff field here, and we're, we're going to get a great Monday Night Football matchup. We're recording this on Monday morning. We're going to get a great one uh, between Cincinnati and Buffalo, a potential playoff game feel right there. But, man, when I look at the AFC, I am so thankful the Vikings are in the NFC here. I mean, you got the Chiefs who are obviously legit. The Bengals look legit. The Bills have been legit. I know the Vikings have beat them. But even these wildcard teams, like the Chargers, they've they've snuck in as a wildcard team. Jacksonville has figured things out. Uh, and it looks like they could be one and done the playoffs, but their future years are, are looking like they're going to be very bright with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson there. Man, when I look at the AFC, I am very thankful the Vikings play in the other conference because the path is just so much easier in the NFC. It's a juggernaut. Even the sixth seed, the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. they're 10 and six, even with Tyler Huntley at quarterback. So it's really stacked to where the Vikings at 12 and four, certainly that would put them still in a playoff spot in the AFC, but you really have no room to breathe, no room for error against any of these teams in the playoffs at all. To whereas the NFC, you could say, well, you know what, the Giants, maybe Seattle, depends how they look on a particular Sunday. But the AFC is just not there except the potential seven seed being the Jacksonville Jaguars, if that were to be the case. Uh, last thing for you, Randy. So the Vikings are 12-4. and four. Analytically, uh, obviously they have clearly overachieved. There's, there's numerous metrics that suggest that they should be a lot worse than their record. 
In terms of other teams that have won 12, 13 games, double-digit games, is this one of the more fraudulent 12-4 and four teams you've ever seen? Or do you just look at this as, look, they got their 12 wins, whether they've been nail-biters and come, behind, come from behind victories, whatever, a win's a win. But do you look at this 12-4 and four team and see, say it's kind of fraudulent like a lot of the national media has said? No, they won 12 games. I'm not going to take that away from them. However you get the wins, you get the win. And I, I'm just, I've never been, actually, that's a lie. At one point, I was an analytics guy, and I would refer to grades and say this player is good because look at the grade that they got or whatever. And then after a while, I realized that, well, anybody can do this. This is ridiculous. Look up film on the team or said player and then have your own opinion on that. I don't give a damn what analytics say. I think analytics is is a mode for nerds to act like they're better than other people. If I'm at a bar, if you're at a sports bar, okay, and you're talking sports with someone you never met before, and that person just brings out a big-ass sheet of paper with spreadsheets and charts and graphs and say, well, look at this team. They're (laughs) fraudulent because the points above expectation is minus six. I would get up and just never talk to that dude again. I'll see you later. (laughs) It's stupid. We look for every which way to bring this team down. Now, they have struggled. They have had their moments to where I'm saying, bro, you look soft, especially what we saw yesterday, but they still got 12 wins. They have some of the greatest wins that I've seen from this team, the 33 nothing trailing to the Indianapolis Colts at halftime, the Buffalo Bills game. You can't take that away from this team, fraudulent or not. Say whatever it is that you want. I don't give a damn about analytics. They got 12 wins. Amen. Sue me. No, I'm with you there, too. Look, is there things have been fraudulent? And look, their, their point differential is still significantly negative. Yeah, it is. But they've won 12 games. They've controlled their path. They have a chance to still host multiple playoff games despite all that noise. So it's if if I guess, are you looking at perception? And then also, are you willing to sacrifice wins for perception? Because I'm certainly not. I'm not in the camp of if they were 10 and 7, that they looked a lot better because their, their point differential is better. Dude, they're 12 and 4. They're 12 and 4, and they have a chance to host multiple playoff games. I'm kind of with you there, too. You got you to blend them both together. That's when analytics works best. When the analytics and the eye test match up together. The problem is, is the analytics do not support the eye test so much of the Vikings. And that's where it's, it's like you're, you're literally having two different shakes. You have two different alcoholic beverages in front of you here that two, two different things to your mind, and you can't really combine them. And that's been the problem with the analytic, I think, narrative against the Vikings. If we want to praise metrics and analytics, metrics this, metrics that, then isn't the win-loss record the ultimate metric? Yes. Isn't that is. all that matters? So then what the hell are we talking about with everything else? Right. I just think it's something for people to do and feel like they're important when it doesn't even matter. They're 12 and 4. Stop. Amen, man. Hey, hit the subscribe button on this YouTube channel, Purple Daily, for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment. This is Realistic Randy Rants, where he posts episodes every Monday. You can go check out his YouTube channel, too, for some bonus Vikings content. Uh, this time next week, Randy, the regular season will be wrapped up. We'll be in full-on preview mode uh, for the Wild Card Weekend, most likely against the Giants, but we'll wait and see there. Uh, hit that subscribe button where we just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die.